This is Surviving Ministry, conversations designed to help you last longer and grow stronger in ministry. I'm your host, Seth Stevens. So it's almost like I didn't really get an opportunity to be discipled and to understand what a Christian life looks like. And I just kind of gave up on the idea of ministry for a time. At the end of the day, if you're not working yourself out of a job, then you're not really doing an effective job. A spiritual gift is something that is empowered by God for you to do for the church. Today, I will be cracking open the head of Chris Godoy and pulling out all the wisdom I can find. In this conversation, I'll be asking Chris about his call to ministry, his transition from music ministry to AV, and about the challenges and benefits of church plants versus established churches. We also talk about how to assimilate people into your church and the role of an executive pastor. Get ready, because here we go. Chris, we're glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about your call to ministry. Sure, Seth. Uh, My call to ministry, uh, to me, it started whenever I read a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Um, I had already had my salvation experience at that point uh, back in high school and then kind of fell away for a time, uh, started going back to church and then read this book, Crazy Love, and just got reminded of God's love and acceptance of who I am um, and the fact that his character um, regarding his love and acceptance never changes regardless of what I've done. So within realizing that, I started going back to church, um, really started to go headlong into ministry and in what I could do there. Um, At the time, I was getting a music degree, so I started, you know, playing on the worship team, uh, doing drums and everything like that, and really felt God calling me to be a worship pastor at that time. Um, You know, through the years, it's really changed a lot. Um, It's become now to be an AV director, which I think the Lord has really took me on a path to understanding more along the lines of what a pastor is, because though I wanted to be a worship pastor and I felt like worship was music and what I could do through music, um, the idea of what a pastor was or could be was something I think he had to take me through to learn more about so I could understand what that would be. Uh, Let's back up for a minute. You said that uh, Francis Chan's book played an influential role in bringing you back to the Lord. Sure. Uh, What kind of caused you to to move away or, or separate from the Lord before that time of returning? Sure. Uh, I grew up Catholic primarily whenever I was younger. Um, so I'd always had, I guess, like experiential knowledge of the Lord mm-hmm. through Catholic services and an altar serving and different things like that, um, but had a salvation experience whenever I went to a Baptist-style uh, youth camp whenever I was like a freshman, sophomore in high school. Um, after that experience, I... I wanted to go and be a part of the Baptist church that I had gone to the camp with, but instead I just kind of felt like this pressure to continue on in my Catholic uh, service with my grandparents and different things like that because they had grown up Catholic and stuff. So it's almost like I didn't really get an opportunity to be discipled and to understand what a Christian life looks like. And so I just went back to what I was used to and, and in order to, I guess, get away from any kind of scrutiny that my grandparents may have put on me. But, you know, that's not the people that they are, but that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. Know? Yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, you've mentioned a little bit about your path in ministry, how you've gone from pursuing a music type 
interest in the in the church and then that switching over to AV. Uh, what was that transition like for you? Um, I mean, it's really interesting because it wasn't necessarily a transition per se. It was more of the Lord's direction, I would have to say. It's, I didn't pers- it's not something you chose. Yeah, it's not anything I pursued. Um, it's just opportunities that happened to come up. Um, whenever I first started going into ministry, I was an intern for both worship and production. Um, and so I was, I kind of excelled with a lot of the production aspects of things, understood a lot of that behind the scenes work and was able to help a team understand it better and to make it run more efficiently. Um, and it was funny because a lot, a lot of the times at that church, I would be playing drum set and I'd have a team in the back working on all the production aspects of things and something would be wrong and we'd have to take a five minute break so that I would go back from the drum set and fix things for the production team. <laughs> yeah. And so you're running, running back and forth from, from playing to fixing. Yep, exactly. Kind of doing a dual role in a sense. And, um, it kind of graduated from there to being primarily in a production role, doing things hands-on and then gradually learning more and more and doing different things until I got the opportunity here at First Evan to become the AV director where, you know, prim- primary role and responsibility. Do you feel like the music background helped prepare you better to deal with some of the technical issues? I'd, I'd say it helped prepare me to deal with the people better. Because a lot of AV is primarily dealing with musicians mm-hmm. and uh, speakers and different things like that. Not necessarily speakers in the mechanical sense, but yeah. speakers in the vocal sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really feel like... I, I, w- I was thinking the other kind of speaker, not, right? <laughs> not the microphone speaker. The cabinet, the cabinet yeah. speaker and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I really feel like it, re- it really just prepared me to understand the thinking of those people and how to have conversations about what I'm doing with a musician in order for them to understand what we're trying to do together. Okay. So it helped you communication wise in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as you've been in ministry, what have been some of the biggest challenges you've faced? Um, really? I mean, the only challenges I've faced uh, have really been opportunity, I'd say, and really understanding where God is trying to lead me rather than trying to take myself somewhere. Um, just kind of giving up on what I thought my ministry could be or would be, I think was the most uh, influential thing and honestly the most freeing thing that I experienced. Kind of um, the death of certain dreams and expectations you had for yourself? Yeah. Um, when it, before I came to Austin, Texas, and before I came to Memphis, um, like I'd say about eight years back maybe, Um, I had this idea that I would plant a church in Colorado, that I'd be this person that could lead a church like that, Um, you know, just doing various types of roles within that. And I don't know, it just fell away, and I just kind of gave up on the idea of ministry for a time, and I worked at Progressive for a couple of years without doing any kind of ministry or pursuing any kind of ministry. Um, And I just naturally just kind of got put back into it. It was really strange. And then just have various roles that I've taken on since then. You've, you've mentioned a couple cities. Um, where's kind of your journey? What have been some of the places you've been and what were the roles there? Just so when people, when you say Austin or Memphis, people have some sort of context for where you were and what you were doing. Yeah, of course. Um, in Corpus Christi is where I started my ministry journey. I worked at a church called real life there for a period of about five years. And I worked in various, roles there from an intern in worship and technology to becoming a coordinator 
to eventually becoming a next gen service director. So I'd be what's over a that. what's a next gen service director? Uh, basically, being over all of the technical aspects, um, the musicians, and then also making sure that all the service would flow together. So okay. basically, almost like a program director, if you would say, for a particular service. Okay. Um, and then before I left Corpus Christi in that church, I was the connections pastor. So I took over facilities, various types of media, still playing, drum set occasions, technology, just a whole slew of things on top of counseling, marriages, and different things like that. I'd be doing counseling for marriage people too. Um, how, how long had you been married at that point? I had not been married at that point. That puts you in an <laughs> awkward position, doesn't it? Yeah, but just as somebody had said to me recently, I think uh, truth is truth. And a lot of the times the truths I was giving to people were things that I had been given by somebody else who had more experience than I did. So yeah. it, hopefully it wasn't necessarily me speaking to them. <laughs> I had yeah, no idea in what to in do. my opinion, in my experience. <laughs> but yeah, so that was Corpus Christi. Austin was a period of five years where I helped um, plant a church called Vertical Chapel and worked in various roles there. I worked at a church called Real, Real Life there. They had an Austin campus, uh, same thing as Corpus Christi, same church. Uh, and then I worked at Bannockburn Baptist Church there, as well as Restore Austin Church in production aspects. And then I got the job here at First Adventure. Were any of those simultaneous? The Restore job and the Bannockburn Baptist Church job were. Those are both part-time uh, production-level positions. Mm -hmm. Now, you've mentioned working with a, a couple different styles of churches. I know that church you're working with here is an older established church of 80 years. You've worked with some church plants. You've worked with um, uh, some extension sites or uh, I don't know what you would call it exactly, but uh, how have those, what's been your experience in those different settings? What do you like about the different settings? What do you find challenging mm -hmm. in, in the different uh, types of church environment you've been in? Sure. Uh, I'd say that the church plant environment has its own challenges within you're having to develop your own thing. You're having to start from the ground up. Now, it's a challenge, but it's also a huge opportunity. Uh, you don't have to worry about trying to reinvent the wheel or understand what previous people did. You're more so just developing something that can be usable and sustainable for the people going forward. Now, when you mention that, are you talking about like AV equipment, culture, you, you know, what all do you mean by that? I think it's everything. I, I mean, I worked in primarily in AV, and so the sustainability the you know lessons and teachings and manuals and various things that I would develop, I wanted them to be there for years to come. But at the same time, AV turns over a lot quicker than necessarily culture can turn over. So I think it actually applies to more things than just AV, but AV is maybe a little bit simpler to change after you've instituted it. Yeah. So with... Uh, one of the things you've mentioned here just now is sustainability. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's a great idea. When you were at these places, you were building these notebooks, it sounds like, to uh, pass on to later generations so that even if you're not there, people will understand. There'll be smooth transitions. Um, tell me a little bit about your ideas about su sustainability and transferability mm -hmm. as it deals with AV and ministry in general. Yeah. Um, I think that at the end of the day, if you're not working yourself out of a job, then you're not really doing an effective job. 
the whole reason that I was able to take on the job that I have right now was because I felt confident that I could leave the places that I was at because they were at a place where they could do it themselves and they didn't necessarily need me to continue to be there for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so doing manuals, making systems that work and that you're sure work day in and day out, you know, Sunday in, Sunday out, um, making sure that the leadership that's in there understands how those systems work and can teach them yep. to other people. That's kind of the, the basic building blocks for sustainability, for transferability, like you called it, to make sure that it transfers well, that you're not playing phone, you know, phone call that game, that it's being lost as it keeps going, but you have something. They don't drop, drop the handoff. Exactly. Um, and then on top of that, I read a book by Mark DeVries called Sustainable Youth Ministry. It's a really good book. I tried to tease out all the little principles that I could get from it because he, you know, adapts it to youth ministry. And so I adapted it to AV ministry with all the little principles that he has of sustainability, having various types of documents that are things that you can pass on or give to people, having different rosters, having what he calls a constellation of relationships for people so that you're not the primary person that everybody is relying on, you know? Um, with AV at a large church, it seems like that's a... That's a challenge because there's so many issues that can come up, and mm -hmm. just if every single thing gets back to you, it seems like uh, you wouldn't get very much sleep at night. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, now, tell me a little bit about uh, what you hope to do in the future. Um, just kind of continue what I've been doing here. Um, you're talking about here at the church or in my life, I guess? Which, life how in general. big of a scheme do you want to go, right? <laughs> Eternity. Uh, what do you want to be doing for... No, right. <laughs> just the rest of your life. We'll think short, we'll think short term. Yeah. Um, for life, I would have to say I would love to be able to continue to help people get connected and um, understand their place in the church, not just to come and attend church, but to actually find a place where they can serve, find a place where they feel like they belong, um, and then provide that place for them when, if they're new, you know, and they're just coming here for the first time. I'd love to do that. Just continue to um, find places where I can continue to learn how to be a better pastor of people, um, how to develop people and help them in their ministry goals. You know, if I was, say, if I was an executive pastor at a church, I would really enjoy helping those various people who are over key ministry areas effectively accomplish the goals that they want in their specific ministries and try to help them avoid any pitfalls or solve any problems, all that kind of stuff. Now, as you mentioned, kind of connecting and, you know, I think assimilating people, um, are there particular categories that you think of in terms of, okay, I want to plug this type of person into this setting. You know, what are kind of the skills that you're looking for? And then what are the kind of mental categories that you put people in in order to uh, effectively accomplish that task? Mm -hmm. I think that everything is fluid because everything is dealing with people. Yeah. So though there may be categories, and I think the, the, the starting point really needs to be, who are you? Who do you understand yourself to be? Um, where do you see yourself with Jesus so we can get you where you need to be there as well, primarily? But what has he gifted you to do? And then on top of that, what are you running away from? Because a lot of the times we think of spiritual gifts as things that we do really well. Hmm. And the thing that really turned my turned that idea on its head for me was hearing that a spiritual gift doesn't necessarily have to be 
a skill or a talent that you possess that could be, you know, anything that you've engineered into yourself to do better at, but rather a spiritual gift is something that is empowered by God for you to do for the church. Yeah, it was real helpful for me in seminary. One of our professors said, uh, spiritual gifts aren't what's given to you, it's what's given through you to the church. So yeah. the church is what's receiving the gift. Right. And um, I, I think when the scripture talks about, you know, the, the gift of giving, which people interpret it different ways, but I take it, quite frankly, as financial giving. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, that would mean that the richest person is the one that has the gift of giving, when in reality, I think we all have a responsibility to give. And I think there's some people that, you know, the widow's might example that Jesus gives, she has the gift of giving. She gives all she has, even mm-hmm. though it isn't very much. So it's not necessarily what you possess, it's it's what you're willing to give away. Right, right. And I mean, exponentially, it gets multiplied. Because even if you're giving a small portion, because you're giving it in that vein of faith, it gets used for something that is empowered by God through that giving, you know? Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, it's important for people to kind of know who they are and kind of what they're about. What do you do with somebody who maybe they're young, maybe they're a new believer, and they don't know, <laughs> they don't know who they are, they don't know what they're supposed to do, and they're, they're trying to figure it out? How do you walk them through that? I think it's a lot of it is just trying to figure out what do you enjoy. I mean, you're in a time, if you're a high school kid or a middle school kid, you're at a time where you get a chance to experiment. You get an opportunity to kind of see what do you enjoy? Do you enjoy music? Do you enjoy acting? Do you enjoy math? Do you enjoy science? You get all you get exposed to all these different types of things. And I think that school possibly doesn't necessarily prepare us for life, but does give us an opportunity to see so much of what's available to us. And so it's not so much that you're trying as best as you can to get good grades, though I'm sure all the parents want me to say that. Um, It's more so the fact that you're trying to get exposed to all the different things that you could possibly do with your life. And at the end of the 18 years, you know, 22 years, depending if you take college as well to figure it out, Mm -hmm. um, you hopefully get to that point and you're like, okay, I think this is what I think my life should look like. I think I want my life to look like this, or I feel like God has gifted me and given me skills and abilities to do this. So yeah. hopefully th- you can get there. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are certain things that energize you and drain you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every job has difficult aspects and hard parts, but there are certain difficult things that energize you and certain difficult things that uh, drain you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of one of those people that I've got to try it before I figure out how I fit into the system. And uh, it's been helpful for me just trying a bunch of different things and saying, okay, this is the part of this that it's good, this part's bad. This, I'm not very good at it, but I really want to learn it. I I want to get better in this area. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of the assimilation piece too, is giving people the opportunity to say, oh, you, you want to try that? Well, that's okay. Like you don't have to necessarily devote the rest of your life to children's ministry just because you get plugged in at children's <laughs> yeah. ministry. You know, you try three months, six months of it, and you don't think it's a good fit. Well, come back and yeah. talk to your pastor and ask, okay, this didn't really fit. Can we go over this again? And we can find you a place because everybody mm-hmm. has a place in the body. Yeah. Now, it's interesting talking to you because it seems as though the path you're on and kind of the things you want to pursue, you mentioned uh, an executive pastor where that's a huge and important piece in a, in a lot of churches, but 
Uh, not a lot of people kind of have a, a vision for it or a desire for it. You know, maybe they tried preaching or being a lead pastor and got hurt or got <laughs> got discouraged or then got sidetracked and, and, and put in that way. But um, it, it's an extremely important role, and, and you're kind of self-aware enough to kind of know, I don't want to be the lead guy, the senior guy, but I want to be an executive guy. I don't mind if I'm behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So what kind of led you to the conclusion that that type of position is something you would like or enjoy? I think it's more so the responsibilities that I think the church gives to that type of position mm-hmm. rather than thinking that that's what I should pursue. I think the responsibilities of an executive pastor, as I've seen it so far, would be of developing a team of developing leaders who will lead other people, um, of taking care of, you know, facilities, kind of being a jack of all trades kind of a position, um, having an understanding of how to talk to people about various topics. And they can be wide ranging because as you know, church is completely wide ranging whenever you're looking at the business end of things. Yeah. You know, you talk about facilities, you talk about AV, you talk about music with the worship pastor, you know, you have all these various things that you could be talking about, but the funny difference between a senior leader, senior pastor, and an executive pastor is like they don't usually have an executive pastor preach as much. Yeah. And so I don't necessarily think that I um, can preach or should be preaching. I think I can teach. I think I can yeah. have one-on-one conversations fairly well. Um, and I think that is where my my soft spot is, you know, the place mm-hmm. that I really enjoy in the place that I think I could be most effective. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I couldn't preach because I don't want to put God in a box or anything. But <laughs> yeah. That's who I am, at least. Yeah. I think maybe a challenge in an executive position, I don't know if you've thought about this issue or how you would handle it, but I, I think there's a difficulty and a challenge, really, of running a church like a business and, and starting to think of things in, in, in you know, businessy terms and rather than, than, than church terms. And I feel like, you know, that's a temptation for a senior pastor, but I feel like it's even more so just because of the nature of the type of work for an executive pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's a major distinction in that and, or in what areas do you think it's distinct or how do you fight against that temptation? If you think there's a, there should be ma- a, a distinction maintained. I think it's something that we've done in trying to separate the sacred from the secular. Mm -hmm. We think that a job like a VP for FedEx or a VP for Valero Oil Company should be different than basically what you're calling executive pastor, a VP of operations for a church. I think that regardless of whatever business you have, there are Christian principles that we should as Christians abide by. And so even though it may seem like you're running a business in an executive pastor role for a church, the Christian principles should be guiding you to run it that way. And it shouldn't be that shouldn't be any different than if you were in, you know, any other secular job, you should be making the same decisions because of who you are as a Christian rather than trying to make a business out of God's work, you know, because it really, I mean, it really is part business (laughs) at the end of the day. You have to make sure that everything flows, everything works well, everything is effective. You have to make sure that all of the dollars are being spent on purpose, you know? And accounted for. And accounted for. <laughs> and so it can be difficult because it can be one of those things where it gets a little a little hairy at times. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't think it's any different from, you know, the same hairiness, probably a little bit less hairy than you would at a big corporation. Yeah. If you were a Christian at a big corporation trying to do the same thing, it should be the same principles, you know? If you could go back and uh, meet yourself several years ago when you were uh, get, getting into ministry or getting into this type of ministry, uh, what advice would you give your younger self? <laughs> um, honestly, just trust God. Like, there's so much that He has brought me through uh, to get to the point that I'm at right now to where I'm just not as worried about where I'm going in ministry. I more trust about where he has me going. Um, and I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm just trying to see what he wants me to do, you know, I'm trying to just follow along with where he leads. And I think that whenever I was younger, or even at least just first getting into ministry, I was trying to say, no, I think I have a music degree, so I should be a worship pastor. You know, A plus B equals C. And a lot of the times... In a way, you're trying to fit yourself into a box. Right. And a lot of the times, God is not necessarily working within the same equation that you understand. Because I may have a music degree, but that music degree does not just give me the ability to play music and to be a worship pastor. That music degree gives me the ability to communicate with musicians in a different way as an AV person now. And hopefully have better interactions for the glory of God because of that. <laughs> Was worry a, a big <laughs> part of your life early on? I wouldn't say worry would be. I'd say um, justified. I felt like I should be a worship pastor. So if I got so the first time that I got overlooked for a position like that, I felt kind of like I was slighted. Yeah. So uh, there is that aspect of it. But honestly, like the first time that happened, you, God just humbled me, and I said, <laughs> "Okay, I guess I have to serve this person who's here now." And do the same things that I've been doing. Oh yeah, that that that'd be very difficult having a position you want within an institution you're already a part of, and then getting passed over for it, mm -hmm. and having to work for the person who's doing it. Yeah, especially if that person doesn't have a music degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's humbling. My yeah. my humbling was working in a warehouse right out of seminary. It's like I'm I was working in a master's degree with people who didn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> So that's always fun. If there's somebody new in ministry, uh, uh, just, just kind of starting out, um, what, what words of wisdom would you give them to try and help them out? I'd say always try to find a mentor, somebody who is 20, 30 years ahead of you, where you can see yourself wanting to be like that person because they will help you to grow into that person. And also just be open to the opportunities that are in front of you. You don't have to be exactly what you think you should be. Sometimes God has other ideas for you, and it could be even better and more suited for who you are and who he's making you to be. What's your name and current position? My name is Chris Godoy, and I am the Director of Audiovisual Ministries at First Evangelical Church. Well, Chris Godoy, Audiovisual Manager of what? Director of Audiovisual Ministries. Director of Audio... <laughs> Director of Audio Visual Ministries at First of Ann. Thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate your time and uh, wish you all the best of providence in your future endeavors. Well, thank you. I hope that conversation encouraged you to last longer and grow stronger in ministry. Next episode, we will have the inspiration for this podcast on Sandy Wilson. 
Sandy pastored Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis for 22 years and has tons and tons of practical wisdom to share. I'm so excited about this interview. I already have it recorded. I just got to edit it. Uh, And if you're as forgetful as me, you'll want to hit the subscribe button so that you do not miss it. Until next time, congratulations. You've survived this podcast.